My wife's senior year of college, she and some friends went on a cruise for spring break. There was this huge group on the boat from NC State, and she said all they did all week was chant, NC State, NC State, and that it was the most annoying thing she'd ever experienced. But that is nothing compared to the insanity the Tar Heels will face on Saturday inside PNC Arena. Carolina's heading to Raleigh, and they're going to try to defeat some wolf puppies. We'll preview the game and more on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, February 25th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. This is coming to the end of my third week, and I can't believe how quickly the time has gone already. I cannot thank you enough for all the kind words, all the encouragement that you all out there have reached out and given to me. This is such a joy to get to have these conversations together with you about everything that's going on with Carolina Athletics. Keep keep it coming. Let's keep talking. I'd love to hear about different topics you want to know about and uh, keep sharing your Carolina experiences with me. Would love to include those on the podcast. On today's show, to wrap up our week, we're going to check in on some of the other winter spring Carolina sports in addition to basketball that we've been talking a lot about. There's so many great things going on around campus, and and I want to make sure we're all uh, up to speed on that. We're also going to talk more about the one-time transfer rule. We talked a little bit about that yesterday, and and we're going to dive further into that today. But first... There's Tar Heel basketball this weekend, and we need to talk about it. Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern Time on ESPN, Carolina and NC State inside PNC Arena, a place where I one time had the opportunity to see the Black Eyed Peas. Ludacris opened for them. This little-known band at that point called LMFAO was the, uh, the opener. It was a crazy show. Best experience I ever had in PNC Arena, except for a few Marcus Page performances. You know what I'm talking about. Well, if you're keeping tabs on this series, Carolina has won seven of the last eight against the Wolfpack. In fact, they've won seven of the last eight at NC State as well. Ah, but that one loss, that that one that sticks out in that seven of eight was last season uh, at Raleigh. And so Carolina is going to be looking to start a new streak there inside PNC Arena. On the season, NC State is 11 and 17 overall, just 4 and 13 in the ACC. Hard to believe. Obviously, uh, injuries played a big factor in that, particularly the one to Manny Bates. Uh, The Wolfpack is tied with Georgia Tech for last in the ACC. In fact, they've lost 7 of 8. That one win was against Georgia Tech, their cellar-dweller twins. So uh, it's, it's just been a rough go of it for NC State. Last time these two teams squared off, you might remember it quite fondly. Why is that? Well, it's the only time this season Carolina has reached triple digits. It was a 100-80 to victory. 
Carolina poured in 56 points in the first half. They led by double digits four and a half minutes into the game. They led by 20, 12 minutes into the game. Uh, the, the lead ballooned to as much as 35 in the second half. And they led by 20 or more points for the final 22-54 of the game. We call that a beatdown. In that game, four Tar Heels scored 17 or more points, led by Caleb Love's 21. Armando Baycott was the dominant player in that game, though. 18 points, 13 rebounds, one of his many, many, many double-doubles this season, plus six blocks. And so what a game for him. Be interesting to see if he can do more of that tomorrow. Darion Sebron had a curiously quiet game. Uh, for the Wolfpack that game, just two points on one of six shooting. You can probably figure out why that was. A little man I like to call Leaky Black. I say little, the dude is huge. NC State, though, was led that game by Terquavion Smith, who had 34, and Jericho Helms, who had 25. And so Carolina's going to look to continue shutting down Sebron, but also to see if they can quiet Smith and Helms as well. What's interesting about this game, uh, if Carolina is able to win, it's going to guarantee a couple of things. First off, Hubert Davis right now is 5-3 on the road in the ACC in his first season. A win would give him six wins on the road in ACC play, guaranteeing that he would have an above 500 conference road record in his first season at the helm for the Tar Heels. Pretty impressive. Also, perhaps more importantly in terms of this season... A win at NC State means that Carolina can finish no worse than fifth in the ACC. They're currently two games ahead of both Virginia and Wake, who both lost on Wednesday night, meaning uh, that Carolina is two games ahead in the loss column. And so if Carolina beats NC State, that means that Virginia cannot overtake them, but Wake still could just because of tiebreakers. So ultimately that means PS that two more wins and Carolina is guaranteed of one of those top four seeds and a double buy in the ACC tournament. So uh, a win, not only in a rivalry game is always big, but obviously it's going to do some things for historically what it means for Hubert Davis's first season and for this season in terms of ACC tournament seeding. I've got a couple keys to the game for you, two specific things that I'm looking for. The first of which is got to do exactly what happened last time. Shut down Darion Sebron. Again, I said, remember I said he had two points? I'd like to give you a wild guess. You get one guess how many other games he scored in single digits this season. Uh, by the very fact that I'm asking you, you can probably guess that the answer is zero. That's right. Outside of Leaky Black shutting him down, Sebron has scored in double digits every other NC State, NC State game that's this season. That's insane. And we're not talking about like he almost made it against Carolina, right? Like it's not like he had eight points and almost was there. He had two points and has scored in double digits in every other game this season. That is insane to me. In fact, here, this will help. His scoring average is 18.0 this season. You take out that performance against Carolina and it jumps to 18.6. That's how impactful Carolina's shutdown of Sebron was. He leads NC State in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. That's pretty crazy. I bet there aren't that many people in the country doing that. Second on the team in field goal percentage. But here's the glaring hole in his game. 25.6% from three. 
And so Carolina needs to give him some space, goad him into taking that deep shot because he wants to get to the rim. Case in point, Sebron has 175 free throw attempts this season, which is more than double the next highest player on the Wolfpack roster. So here's what I want you to do as you watch this game Saturday. Watch how Leaky Black defends him and see how he's walling him off, keeping his feet going. In fact, Leaky Black was asked about his defense on Sebron after the first game. And here's what he had to say. It's pretty funny. Check this out. Uh, I'll get back to that question. We'll play him again. I'll get back to that question after that. So Leaky was not giving away any of his secrets, but hopefully we'll find out uh, what the game plan was Saturday after this one is over. Now, Sebron is a big guard, 6'7", 180 pounds, but there aren't many Leaky Blacks in this world. Leaky is 6'8", and 200 pounds, so has Sebron by an inch and 20 pounds. I say Leaky shuts him down again. And here's my other key to the game is to do exactly what Carolina did the first time in terms of just blitzing NC State from the tip. Go ahead and kill their spirit, right? NC State's season is all but over, so break their will, break their back early, and then keep them down. The other benefit to that is, remember, this is the second weekend in a row for that 48-hour Saturday to Monday turnaround. And so if Carolina can get out to a big lead early, that also allows Coach Davis to save the legs of the starter some for that all-important matchup back in the Dean Dome on Monday with Syracuse. Similar to what we talked about earlier this week with, with Louisville, this is a can't-lose game if Carolina wants to sniff the NCAA tournament. They are not in yet by any stretch of the imagination have to have this game. And I'm going to say that they do so. And you know what? I'm going to say they do it by a bigger margin than the game in Chapel Hill, which the Tar Heels won by 20. I'm going with Carolina 95, NC State 72. That's a big margin, but I'm saying it's going to happen. Well, men's basketball isn't the only Carolina team in action this weekend. I'm going to update you on some other great Tar Heel sports coming up in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about our brand new sponsor, Run Your Pool. March Madness is only two and a half weeks away, and that means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your bracket pools this year. Are you going to go for the usual, or are you looking for the best? Here at Locked On, we've done our homework, and we're going to use uh, runyourpool.com for our brackets. Along with a standard bracket game, Run Your Pool offers several other March Madness game types like Survivor or Pick X, both of which are super fun, and I'd encourage you to check them out. Run Your Pool has options to edit scoring. They offer all sorts of intel to help you make your picks. If you've got a business, you could use Run Your Pool to help you take some of that March Madness magic and play alongside your employees, or even grow your customer base. Plus, Run Your Pool offers full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we here at Locked On believe in Run Your Pool, because like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. In fact, we're going to have a pool just for the Locked On Tar Heels community, and I'm going to give you that info soon on how you can dive in and be part of that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, you can join at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. Look forward to seeing you there. I also want to tell you about Built Bar. 
Built Bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for February is white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious and new flavors come out all the time. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. Their goal is to make these bars taste delicious first, and then they'll figure out how to make it healthy later. And I'm not sure how, but they always do it right. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 2 to 300 calories, but most Built Bars have just 130. And in fact, there's only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. That's awesome. So, I want to encourage you to go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Man, thank you again so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every day. Please, if you would, if you haven't already, go and subscribe. And it would mean so much also if you would rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. Well, we just talked about Carolina men's basketball and what they have going on this weekend and ahead. But I also want to update you on other Tar Heels winter and spring sports that are happening, and specifically what's going on this weekend in Carolina athletics. There's so much happening and want to make sure that you are up to speed. So I'm just going to give you a little run around all these different sports that are happening. We're going to start with women's basketball, since we just talked about the men. Currently, they're fifth in the ACC at 12-5, and five, ranked 22nd in the nation. They are just one game back of Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. They're tied for third. And uh, if you didn't see it, Carolina, the ladies had a huge win over Louisville last Thursday. Big win helping them keep pace in the ACC. Last night, Thursday night, they won 68-57 at Virginia. Now they have three wins in a row. And big, huge game coming up this weekend, Sunday, Senior Day, hosting Duke, 4 p.m. in Carmichael on the ACC Network. The Blue Devils come in 7-9 and 10th in the ACC. But uh, you never know, just like the men's team playing at NC State, this is a rivalry game and anything can happen. And then the ACC tournament for the women starts midweek next week, so make sure you check that out. Let me tell you about the baseball team. Off to a 4-0 start. They swept Seton Hall last weekend and then beat Elon midweek by a combined score in those four games. You ready for this? 45-7. Great start for the baseball team. ECU, they're uh, playing the East Carolina Pirates this weekend. Two of the three games are at home and then one at ECU. Pirates are currently 25th in the country, so this is going to be a great test for the men's baseball team. Uh, while we're talking about baseball, let's also talk about softball. The softball team's off to a 7-4 and four start. They are playing in Athens at UGA this weekend in the Georgia Classic. They'll be playing Bryant and uh, 18th-ranked Bulldogs on Friday. They'll play Bryant again on Saturday and then Georgia again on Sunday. If you want to check those out, the games against UGA are going to be on SEC Network+. Plus. Well, next, I want to tell you about probably the most dominant team in Carolina athletics going right now, and that's the women's tennis team, with all due respect to field hockey, at least in terms of the spring. Uh, women's tennis, first in the nation right now, right ahead of NC State, who is second in the nation. But you know what? Carolina already beat State 4-1 to in the semifinals of the ITA Indoor Championships a couple weekends ago. The women's tennis team is off to an 11-0 start and have already beaten, check this out, they have already beaten this spring the teams currently ranked 2nd, 3rd, 4th, ninth, 6th, and 19th in the country. So 6th 
of their 11 wins have been against teams ranked in the top 19, including 2, 3, and 4. Crazy. That ITA Indoor Championship I just talked about, they won that national championship, uh, which is now the third in a row. They've been in the championship match now eight straight years, winning five of those. That is insane. In terms of the individual players, uh, on the singles side, there are three of the women ranked in the top 13. Cameron Mora is 7th, Riley Tran at 10th, and Elizabeth Scotty 13th. And on the doubles side, Scotty and Fiona Crawley are ranked 2nd in the nation. So, good things, great things going on for the women's tennis team. They start on uh, ACC competition today at Notre Dame, and then they travel to Louisville on Sunday. What's been elusive for the women's tennis team is that NCAA championship uh, uh, tournament later in the season, at the end of the season, and those are outdoors. So Carolina hopefully can bring that home this year for the first time. On the men's side of the tennis, the men are 5-3, and three, ranked 21st in the nation right now. Um, they are at Columbia. They play, not at Columbia, they play Columbia on Saturday, and then ACC matches will start next weekend. Not uh, off to the dynamic start they have been in the past couple years, but the men's tennis team still ranked and looking great. Women's lacrosse is probably the second most dominant team in the spring sports happening right now. They're ranked second in the nation, just behind BC. They are currently 4-0, three of which have been on the road. They have wins over number 12, James Madison, at number 7, Florida. And uh, yesterday, on Thursday, they smoked Pitt on the road 15-5 in the first ACC game of the season. Women's Across next hosts Jacksonville, ranked 18th in the nation. That's Sunday at 11 a.m. on ACC Network Extra. I'd love for you to be able to check that out. There's a chance that Jamie Ortega is going to set the ACC record for most career goals. If it doesn't happen Sunday, it's going to happen in one of the next couple games. Men's Lacrosse, on the other hand, they are 3-1 so far this season, 13th in the nation. They came back to beat Brown 14-11 on Wednesday, and they host number 9 Johns Hopkins this Sunday. So so good things happening there. A couple of sports you don't hear all that much about. Let me just hit on those as we wrap up this little tour of Carolina athletics. The fencing team has the ACC fencing championships this weekend at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, the individual events are going to be Saturday and then the team event on Sunday. Uh, it's a smaller group. You know, it's not all 15 ACC schools. So joining Carolina in this uh, ACC championship is BC, Duke, and Notre Dame, who is the favorite. The Irish are first in the nation for the men and second for the women. As for the Tar Heels, their men are ranked ninth in the country and the women 14th. So looking to make some noise there. Good luck to the fencing Tar Heels. The Indoor ACC Track Championships are happening this weekend, Thursday through Saturday at Virginia Tech. So good luck there. And then the final uh, sport we want to talk about is gymnastics, who last night had senior night hosting West Virginia. Unfortunately, came up just short. The gymnastics team fell 196.25 to 195.225. So just lost by just over a point. So unfortunate. And so the gymnastics team is 9 and 6 overall. However, they are undefeated in conference play at 6 and 0 and and looking to finish off strong there. So keep tabs on the gymnastics team. Here's the thing though. It's great to talk about all this, but what does it mean? What does it all add up to? 
Here's what I'll tell you. There's a lot of incredible athletes all over the campus of the University of North Carolina. So often the ones that get all the headlines are basketball or football. They, they get all the love, and, and I get it. There are the money sports, the, thing in, the things that bring in all that revenue. But really, I'd encourage you to take the opportunity to go check out some of these other impressive student-athletes and what they're doing. You'll be glad you did so. We talked yesterday on the show about the difficulty of roster management in the era of NIL and the one-time transfer rule, and we did that from the perspective of coaches, specifically from Coach Mac Brown. And today I want to talk about how it affects student-athletes. I've got some thoughts on that side of this equation as well. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but first let me tell you about Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is full go. The NBA picked up last night, Thursday night, and Selection Sunday is now uh, just over two weeks away. So from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs, plus game scores, podcasts, and the latest news. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net's College World Series Championship odds are out. Texas leads the way at 15 to 2 odds, and the Tar Heels come in at 80 to 1 odds. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. So the one-time transfer rule, we talked about it again yesterday from the coach's point of view. Coach Mac Brown calling it a nightmare for coaches, saying that if we don't get guidelines around this and, and the NIL things that are going on, that we're, it's going to cease to be college sports as we know it. And so while we looked at it from the coach's perspective yesterday, what I want to do today is try to look at it through the lens of the student athlete, through their eyes, how, how they see it. So before we get into that, just to make sure we're all on the same page about the one-time transfer rule, here's what it is. It says that a student athlete can now transfer one time without having to sit out a year, meaning they don't have to waste a year of their eligibility. They don't have to apply for a hardship or anything. You can transfer one time free of charge wherever you want. Now, after that, the old rules apply that we knew about. If you want to transfer a second time, you have to go through all that same uh, thing of sitting out a year, losing a year of your eligibility. And uh, that combined with COVID, combined with NAL, NIL, we saw the transfer portal explode last year exponentially in terms of the number of players trying to find a new spot. So here's where I'm at with it. I want to provide some, some positive things that I see, some negative observations, and, and just try to do all of that through the lens, through the eyes of the student athletes. Because ultimately, that's what we're trying to do is help these young women and men find their way in the world of college athletics. So first, let's talk about some positives. I love the opportunity for these student athletes to have a heightened level of agency and opportunity. So often, as we know, it's been about these institutions and the NCAA that make so much money off of them while they can't benefit from it at all. And so this, this uh, one-time transfer rule gives them the opportunity to find the best landing spot for them, to, to speak for themselves, to find what fits their style of play, their life, where they're comfortable, all of those things. 
And, and I think that is ultimately a win. The second positive I see in this one-time transfer rule is this. Uh, for those of you that have already passed college age, I'll include myself in that. You know how hard it is to make the right decision for yourself at any point in life, but especially when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, whatever it is, trying to find the best decision. And that's true just for any normal college student, much less it's hard, excuse me, all the more it's hard for someone who is being recruited to go play college athletics. Everybody wants you, and so they're going to tell you what they want, what they think you want to hear, so you can get to their school. And now I know not every coach, not every recruiter is like that, but the vast majority are. And so you're still evolving as a person, as an athlete. You're a teenager still trying to figure yourself out. How on earth can you be expected without any experience of going to college to make the right decision? Hopefully you've got the right people around you to help, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but that's just not always the case, quite frankly. And so I, I love the opportunity for 16, 17, 18-year-olds to make a decision about where they want to go, and then if it turns out not to be the right fit or the right place or the right culture or whatever it is, then you have a better idea of what you do want. It's like, for example, imagine you've never dated somebody before, and then you just say, hey, I'm marrying this person. I've never dated before, but that's what I'm doing. And then you get into it and realize, oh, this isn't the type of person for me at all. That's why dating is great, because you can date somebody and figure out what you want and you don't want in a marriage, and then go from there. It's the same thing. Just, you know, eh, there's some differences, obviously, but going somewhere, realizing, hey, it'd be awesome if it is the right place, but if it's not, there's an opportunity for me to go somewhere else now that I know more about myself, my needs, my wants, my expectations for college, and land there. And the the next positive I, I want to say about this rule is that until you're in a certain situation, a certain context, a certain university, you can't fully know if it's the right fit. Sometimes you might get somewhere and realize, oh, this ain't it for me, <laughs> right? Like everything I, I, I thought I saw on my recruiting visits and from talking to current players there, it's, it's just not what I thought it was. Um, whether, whether I had rose-colored glasses on or, or people just weren't being transparent with me or maybe I, I just didn't see everything, all the nuances, all the good and all the bad and how I would fit and those things. But now that I'm here, ah... Uh, I see it now. And so now, now that I'm in a situation, I'm living it, I'm living that reality, and I know that per perhaps it wasn't for me after all, but now that I'm living it, I know that. Obviously, we could find some more positives, but, but you see those, how helpful some of those things could be to a student athlete. What about the flip side of it, though? How can this one-time transfer rule be a negative? Again, we're, we're thinking not through the eyes of coaches or teams, strictly through the eyes of the student athlete and how it is a benefit or negative to them. The negative, the first one I'll talk about is development. I think because of the opportunity to cut and run, if you don't see what you like, it's just a, a layer of not keeping a player in place that would be there if there was the uh, the forced sitting out for a year. That's going to give you more hesitation to leave. But if I have this freedom to leave, I might not realize the value and the development that happens when I, I get to sit and learn a system or to build muscle or new eating habits or learn from upperclassmen playing ahead of me. I often think of Joel Berry as an example. We heard... 
from his, from his own lips, how he said, my freshman year, I thought I was uh, like, am I cut out for this? Is this the right place? And thankfully he had parents who were able to say to him, like, stick it out. This is good for you. This is healthy, but not everyone has that. Some have people around them who might say, Hey, you need to move on, man. They don't value you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. When really sticking it out and growing and developing would be a great thing. And so sometimes I think that ability to quickly move on is to a player's detriment in terms of their development. The next negative, I think, is if you're moving on quickly, you're not able to develop the same type of relationships or bonds uh, than somebody who would stick around at a school for four years. You think of the family you develop over the course of your college years. If you're somebody that's been to college, you know how crucial that time is. And if, you, if you're not getting that, if you're changing year after year after year, you're just not able to build those relationships, which can help you both personally. And hey, networking is a thing. The professional side of things that you can build matters. Another negative that I've seen is uh, players always want to move up to the next level, right? And so we'll get these either mid-major student-athletes or or D2 or D3 or NAIA or JUCO student-athletes who think they can do it at the next level, uh, but that doesn't always go so well. Uh, a great example from Carolina, now these are grad transfers, not, you know, the one-time transfer rule isn't a thing yet, but the same rule applies here. 2019-20 Carolina team had Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce, who had come up from lower levels, Keeling from Charleston Southern, Pierce from William and Mary. And they had gaudy numbers at their lower level schools. And that just didn't translate to the D1 major college level, right? I could go through all the numbers, but you probably remember it. Like it just, it just didn't click in the same way for either of them. Now they were, you know, it was wonderful to have them on the roster. They, by all accounts, they were great young men. But it, statistically, they just didn't have the same juice. Here's the other thing that can be a negative. Uh, because of the one-time transfer portal, one-time transfer rule, the transfer portal itself is bloated and there just aren't enough spots to go around. And so some student-athletes just get left hanging out there in no man's land. And that's not good. So here's the bottom line. Once again, this transfer rule combined with NIL and the lack of guardrails around both of them continues to show what I would say is both ineptitude and lack of foresight from the NCAA. And that might sound like harsh words, but I truly believe that. And so for collegiate athletics to continue to move forward and to grow in a sustainable way, the NCAA has to change. They have to look ahead. They have to grow. But so far, they've been unable and unwilling to do so until they were forced into it by states creating laws for things like NIL. So here's my plea. Here's my call, NCAA. Let's get this fixed for the sake of the players, for the coaches, for the fans, for the parents who we so often forget about in this conversation. Uh, one of my goals in the coming weeks and months is to have some conversations with parents of some Tar Heels to find out like what what is all this like for you all having to deal with all this movement. Friends, college sports is part of the fabric of what holds this country together. And we've got to put guidelines in place to ensure that it stays just that way. Well, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. 
And if you like what you're hearing, please go tell a friend, bring them in, uh, have them subscribe and get going on these conversations with us. Coming up on Monday, we're going to recap the NC State game. We're going to give you a preview of Senior Night. How is Senior Night already here? Senior Night versus Syracuse on Monday in the Dean Smith Center and a little bit more on Monday. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every day. Now, please, I'd encourage you, go make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen today. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your Friday talking Carolina sports with me. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next time, peace!